Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you very much. I, I want us to pray this morning. Listening to the uh, special number by the choir, I, I think it's important we take some, one or two different prayer points. See, one of the guarantees that you and I have that whenever we talk to God, He's going to listen to us or answer our prayers is when we approach Him with confidence. The Bible says this is the confidence that we have in Him. That whenever we pray according to His will, He heareth us. And because He has heard us, we know that whatever petition we have made of Him, He will grant them. And also I discovered that there is something that can rob a man of that confidence. And that is the consciousness of guilt and condemnation. I wouldn't know, maybe you were like me that struggled many years after the Lord has forgiven me. I struggled with forgiving myself. I, I used to ask myself some questions in those days. Uh, why should I do this? What was wrong with me? Why did I do this? Why did I do that? Before I was done doing all of that, I would burst into tears. Well, godly sorrow leads to repentance. But the day I saw in Romans chapter 8 that there is therefore now no condemnation for them that are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. I got my liberty. So therefore, I want us to cry to God. Every consciousness of guilt. Listen, some people still refer back to what they did when they were unbelievers as the reason for what they are going through today. Excuse me. As far as God is concerned, you don't have a past. Don't remind God what he has forgotten. And don't live in the condemnation of what you have been set free from. So you are going to call upon the Lord this morning. You are going to say, Father... By the power that is in the blood of Jesus. Every consciousness of guilt and condemnation in me blot them out this morning. Let there be a total blotting out of every consciousness of guilt and condemnation in the name of Jesus. I want you to use the blood of Jesus. Said if your sin is as red as scarlet, it will wash you and you will be as white as snow. Remember Gabata, remember Gogota. He has taken your place in judgment. Stop reminding him of what he has forgotten. Say to him, Father Lord, I let go of my past mistakes. I let go of my past error. I am free from sin. I am free from guilt. I am free from condemnation. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. There are manifestations of the law of sin and death. And I can as well say there are manifestations of the spirit of life. They all lead to certain experiences. So this morning, you are going to call upon the Lord. Every experience that had to do with the law of sin and death, let them be totally terminated. In the workers' meeting this morning, we are trying to talk about thoughts and imagination, how the enemy has been playing with our lives, using our thoughts and imagination and making us feel a sense of unworthiness and acceptability before the Lord. 
you are going to call upon the Lord and say, Father, every experience of sin and death in my life, I terminate in the name of Jesus and I replace my experiences with the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Shall we pray in the name of Jesus? Let my experiences from today be orchestrated by the law of the spirit of life in Jesus' name. The law of the spirit of life, let it be activated in my life. Let there be an activation of the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And let this be the foundation for my experiences from this time forward in the name of Jesus. Thank you, King of Kings. Glory be to your name forevermore. In Jesus' mighty name, our Lord and our God, nothing can be compared to the promises that we have in you. These promises, they are yea and they are amen in Christ Jesus. Just as the rain that descends from the heavens and will never return back to heavens without fulfilling the purpose for which you have sent it, so shall the word that proceeds forth out of your mouth be. It shall not return void to you, Lord. It shall accomplish the purpose for which you have sent it. Thank you for your promises. Thank you, Father. We give you the praise, we give you the glory. We give you the adoration, for this is the anchor of our souls. Blessed be your name, Emmanuel. This morning we ask, O oh God, that the healing you have promised us, the miracles you have promised us, the signs and the wonders and the testimonies you have promised us, you will deliver them into our hands in the name of Jesus. By the power of your word, and the efficacy of your spirit. We ask by the spirit of the living God, let every hurting lives, homes, and individuals be healed this morning in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, have your way. There is nothing we can do without you. When the word is spoken and you don't back it up, as the executive, Executive head of the God's head, the executor of the words of God, there is nothing that can happen without you. Have your way, Holy Spirit, and let the name of Jesus be glorified. In Jesus' precious name, we pray. In Jesus' precious name, we pray. Let the saints in the house shout hallelujah. Can we jam our hands together for the King of kings and Lord of lords? God bless you, sirs. Amen. I want to bless the name of the Lord for yet another opportunity for you and I to gather together in his presence. My prayer this morning is that none of us will go back home the same way we came. Like we heard during the first charge by the logos, the, the, the theme, logos and Rema, God is going to come through for each and every one of us. God is never late. Look at your neighbor and say, God is never late. It is only men that are in a hurry. We are a lot in a hurry. But God is never late. I would say he makes all things beautiful in his time. Amen.
This morning we are going to be moving into the seventh path of the series we started almost seven Sundays ago. Like I said, God is never late, only man that is in a hurry. For me, I'm in a hurry to move into something else. Praise God. I've learned over the years that if you run ahead of God, you'll be stranded along the way. If you run ahead of God, you'll be stranded. Because he's the way. You can't know the way more than the way. Uh -huh. And so this morning, we are going to be looking at something of so much of value that is being highly contested and contended with by the enemy today. And that is marriage. Power of value, part seven. And we're going to be looking at marriage. Join me as we open our Bible to the book of Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18 to 25. Genesis chapter 2, from verse 18 to 25. Genesis chapter 2, from verse 18 to 25. And the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him an help meet for him. And out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he will call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found an help meet for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. And he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman. Because she was taken out of man. Therefore, shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Every marriage going through shameful and disgraceful experiences. Today, they shall be free in the name of Jesus. <laughs> like we've been saying since the beginning of this particular series, that value we place on a thing determines the virtue that we derive or benefit from such a thing. And also we've established that value most of the time is being informed by the information or the revelation or the understanding you have of what you are placing value on. It means that when it comes to a subject matter of value, if one has not properly defined that subject matter or have a proper understanding of the matter, there is a tendency for us not to place the right value on such an entity. And when we don't, it's most likely we don't benefit from that entity. Like I said, value is not 
something that we do generally, it is individualistic. I'm always trying to go back over that, over that, over that, because there's nothing wrong with repetition. It always brings it to our conscious awareness. Marriage is one major institution upon which all of God's blessings is being founded. Marriage is an institution upon which the purpose and the agenda of the Almighty God for this planet is being founded and established. And it's important for us to understand marriage. Because if we don't, marriage will only be subject to just the fleshly satisfaction that is being derived in sexual relationship. Hallelujah. When we look at the history of man from Genesis, there are certain thoughts that I believe every one of us, both married and unmarried, must clearly understand. Yes, God created man. But beyond the creation of man, there are certain things God said that we need to understand. If we go to the book of Genesis, chapter 5, we want to see the mystery of Adam's creation. And I'm going to explain something to us along the line. Genesis chapter 5. The book of, this is the book from verse 1. Genesis chapter 5 from verse 1. This is the book of the generations of Adam. In the day that God created man. In the likeness of God made he him. Verse 2. Male and female created he them and blessed them in the day and blessed them and called their name what? Adam in the day when they were created I went to school and I have some little understanding some brain in my head when I read this chapter 5 from verse 1 to 2, I began to ask one or two questions. I think you should ask such a question. He created him. Male and female, he created them and blessed them and called their name Adam. Is their name called Adam? What is their name? Adam, Adam and Adam and Eve. That was what I was expected, or I'm expecting myself to see in this book. But he didn't call them Adam and Eve. I asked Holy Spirit, where did Eve come from? I suddenly realized I was Adam that called her Eve, not God. Going back to Genesis chapter 1 from verse 26. God said, let us make man in our image. After our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the beast of the forest, and all that. And God blessed them. And God said unto them, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, subdue it, have dominion. Now, God created two entities in one individual and call the two of them Adam. From my understanding of what a, male, a man having a male and female component in him or is, is an hermaphrodite. 
It meant that when God created Adam, Adam was an hermaphrodite. He had a combination of male and female in him. When it was time for God to make the woman, he did not create externally. He removed the woman from the man. Listen to me. I've been married and I've gone to so many marriages, weddings, and I've had different preachers preach. I struggled a very long time. The last time I had somebody say, God is the greatest mathematician who had one to one to me equal to one. I sat there and said, God, this doesn't make sense. One plus one is equal to one. They said that's because God is the greatest mathematician. But when I started studying the Bible, I found out that it was not one plus one that is equal to one. It was actually half plus half that is equal to one. Because when Adam was alone, he was one. When Eve was removed, he became half. And I'm saying this because, because of the understanding of one plus one. Some men and some women thought I can do without my husband. My husband, the wife says I can do without my husband. The husband said, before I knew you, I have been living, I have been okay. So if you are not there, I will still be living, I will still be okay. Fa, 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 fa. Because we don't understand. Do you know that the blessing that was placed on Adam was split into two? The removement Eve was removed. Oh, you didn't hear that? The blessing was placed on them. And when they were divided, they both shared the blessing equally. When they come together, the blessing becomes whole. But when they are not together, they are suffering together because they can never be complete without one another. Now, I told us, when we don't understand some of these things, we abuse it. So many of us are abusing marriage. We're abusing marriage. And hear me, sir. Look, read my lips. Your marriage is the foundation for your success. When you succeed without your marriage succeeding, you're a failure. That's why the idea of 50% and 50% in marriage must come out of our head. It must be 100, 100. If a marriage will work, the man must be ready, the woman must be ready. Hallelujah. The blessings were shared. And when we look closely, we find out the reason why there seems to be so much of contention in our homes. The reason why it's as if marriages from day one is being faced with so much of trouble. Brethren, look at it. I sat down one day. I said to myself, there were so many options of so many women when I decided to marry my wife. Why is it that when there's misunderstanding, she seems to look like the ugliest woman in the whole world? And I'm like, God, something is wrong somewhere. A woman that you, didn't, you were not begged to marry. A man you were not begged to marry. Now that you are married, but because the enemy came, she became the ugliest and somebody you don't want to see. Somebody you can stay far away from and still be comfortable. There's a manipulation. That's why this morning, we need to have the understanding. The others have a saying, but doesn't fly with one wing. It has to be balanced. If you have been flying with one, you have not been flying, you have been playing. This has to be very blunt. I have to be very blunt with some of us. Because I know I've been around. I know what happens. I know many times we come to church, husband and wife in the same car. 
But when we get home, we are cat and dog. We wear the same clothes, but we sleep in separate rooms. Because we thought she's a pain on my neck. No, she's not a pain on your neck. She's a blessing in your life. He is not a pain because you can't survive with one without one another. Maybe some of the few coins we are making is what is making us to think that we don't need one another. Some few, few coins. Or we try to look at unbelievers whose home is overboard and scattered and they seem to. If we get it wrong in our home, we have deprived ourselves of our posterity. I said to some people, I said, the only legacy every man has in life is not the money you make, it's not the houses you build, it's not the cars that you have. They are the children that comes out of you that forms a generation that you birth. Look at this analysis. You were giving birth to one. You married a woman, you became two. The two of you gave birth to three children, you became five. Three children married three other children from another house, you became eight. The eight, the three children that married decided to give birth to three, three children like their father. Three times three became nine. One became two, two became five, five became eight, eight became what? Seventeen. In 100 years, the journey you started alone from you will emerge over a thousand people. But you know, we don't see that in all of our marital argument and confusion. And let me tell you the truth today. Whatever you do in your marriage now will affect 500, 1,000 children that will be coming out. Because there's always a continuity. That's why we call posterity a continuation of what you started. We might have come from homes when things never worked. And that's the reason why we have to take a decision that in our own life it has to work. We might have been raised in a society that's been taught to bastardize and to relinquish and relegate a woman to the background. But listen to me, sir. I read my Bible. I was able to swallow my pride. When I looked at my wife, I said to her, the reason why you are going to continue to be under me, that if I don't sneeze, you don't sneeze, is because a curse was placed on you by God. Now you are born again. You are no more a curse. You are free to fulfill your destiny, and we are combining together and forming our team. So go the way of your potentials. I go the way of my potentials. There's always a meeting point when our potential begins to make sense. Because without mine, an ah doesn't make sense. A woman must continue to listen. Don't you know what the Bible says? A woman is under. Is a light was a cause. I'm a man, so if it's a woman that's talking, and maybe, maybe men will like, you don't understand. You want these women to be unruly. Excuse me, the day you deprive your wife of freedom to be who God has created her, you have lost a major part of the blessing. Essence of marriage, companionship. It is not good that the man should be alone. Now you are married, you have a companion. Why are you hanging out with friends outside? A man should have three major places to go in life. Your place of work, your church, and your home. Where else are you going? What are you looking for? You know, you don't understand, man is a social being. If your wife is not enough to socialize with, something is wrong with you. Because the Bible did not say that a man should feel comfortable in the company of friends. And listen to me, the friends that are in your company today is because it is honey and sweet. The more it becomes bitter, you will see them no more. The same woman will be the only person there. 
Ah, check it out. It's because he's, he's sweet. That's why they come. When they come, at least you pop some champagne. You have some sticks. They come to your house. They get some things from you. The moment you begin to be a burden, eh, excuse me, can I have 5,000? Excuse me, can I see 7,000? They will see your call. They will not pick it. I called you, say, I did not see your missed call. It's a lot they saw it. But this same woman, whether it's sweet, whether it's bitter, she's there. Companionship, number two, procreation, because it is the continuation of what God has intended. He wants us to multiply. That's why he puts in every one of us his seed for multiplication, procreation, meaning that anyone who is married who doesn't have a child is an abomination. You will carry your own baby. Anyone who is married, how and otherwise, I don't know. You are depriving yourself of one great benefit. Praise God. And I'm going to tell you that benefit. Before I started having children, this is my wife, you can ask her, I discovered that children are blessings from God. That when you don't have money, just ask God to give you children. My grandmother told me a story. And the day she was there, do you know what? Because I used to sit where I, she said there was a man. He had two wives. But the two of them didn't give him a child. So he went to consult the oracle. And the oracle said, each of your wife has one choice to make out of two. Do they want child children or they want wealth? So they put the matter before the two women. One said, ah, there's poverty in the house. You are telling me to have children. The men have children. Don't you know you are, don't you know you are adding salt to my injury? I will go for wealth. If I have wealth, I can go and borrow children. The other one, which is the first wife, said, I'm going to go for, ch for children. And along the way, the husband asked the wife, you knew you were struggling and suffering. Why didn't you take wealth? She said, ah, don't you know that anyone that has a child has wealth? Because what he or she does not have, the children will have it. When my grandmother told me the story and I began to read the Bible, and I realized in Psalm 127 that children are the heritage of God. And the fruit of the womb is reward. As arrow is in the hand of a mighty man, so are the children of the youth. Happy is everyone that has his quiver full of them. It means that when God gives you a child, he only gives you one of his own. He's not your child. You are a custodian. The reason why you think he's your child is because you and your wife have to sleep together to conceive that child. No, he put the baby in your womb to, for you to be custodian. And like my wife, grandmother used to say, that means when I give you a child, I will give you the blessing that follows. There is no single child that comes into a man's life that doesn't come with their special blessing. So when you have them more, you have more blessings. So I told my wife, can I have 12? I asked her, I told her, can I have 12? My wife said, if you are ready to carry part of them. And because I realized carrying, said, I won't have time to do all I need to do. I just calculated. Excuse me, the reason why I have three is not because I'm afraid. When you're afraid of having more children, there's something wrong with your understanding of children. Children are not burdens, they are blessings. Are you a burden? You were once upon a time a child. So if you see yourself as a blessing today, it means that when you were given to your parent, you were a blessing. So why are you afraid of having children? They are blessings. I know some of us will begin to say family planning. <laughs> Amen. The reason for family planning is because there is no 
But hear me. Somebody says, hey, I want to have time for the children. It's because you thought they are your children. The ones you have time for, how many of those times can you really say you had for them? You even have two. Why do you have Nanya at home that is taking care of the two? So I don't want to go into that so that you won't begin to say some other things. Procreation is the purpose of marriage. Now, there is something. Now, why is it that our marriages are being confronted? Why is it that the devil is just making sure that my wife will say, eh, I will hear Z? And I was like, why are you saying Z? I said, I didn't say A, said. I said A. I said, do you think I'm deaf? Say, I don't know, but I know what I said. You mean you are insulting me, and before you know it, kata kata. Why? The Bible says in the book of Matthew, look at Matthew, chapter 18, verse 19. Matthew chapter 18, verse 19. What did the Bible say? Matthew 18, 19. Again, I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. There is no better form of agreement apart from the one that ensues between husband and wife. Do you know why? Because of what is joining them together, sex. That's why a lot of people bastardize sex. They don't know the mystery. I tell people, I said, sex is in twofold. It comes with pleasure and blessing. Number two, it comes with pleasure and curses. But there is something that is common to the two pleasure. So a lot of people are more interested in the pleasure, but they don't know that it's either a curse or a blessing. I had one man of God said in a teaching among matured men and women, said, when I have a very big project that is overwhelming, and I prayed all kind of prayers and my faith is shaking, Say when I am on top of my wife and I say to her, I want to do this thing. And my wife says, yes, he knows it is done. Because at that point, there's no combination of agreement that is as powerful as that. <laughs> Sir, I have experimented with it. He has worked over and over and over. And he will continue to work for eternity. But when the heart of the woman is far from you, and your heart is far from her, you can be on top of her. You will even just do what you want to do and enjoy the pleasure. But what about the blessing? What about the agreement? What about the privilege God has given to you to break into new frontiers? There is no husband and wife who work together in agreement that does not break the stronghold of limitations. Go and study the history of men that are making waves all over the world. They don't joke with their wives. The day that you just say, if you mess around my wife, I will kill you. I look at that father from the air and say, ah. He said, I will kill you. I'm not sure you had him. He said, I will kill you. He did my sword. Can do everything, but you go around my wife, I will kill you. As gentle as he said it, he meant it. Go and try his wife. <laughs> they know. Sir, there are so many things I am trying to do, struggling. I sat down one day, me and my wife will go to work. Everybody will have been worked up. We will have stretched ourselves. And we get home looking for where to go and land. She will see enter the kitchen. She will still be working. I say, what kind of a human being is this? 
It's because that particular opportunity grace was removed from me and given to her. I don't have it again. I don't have it. That's why the other time we argue, we are talking here that uh, the, man who, the man should be helping the woman. When they were telling me the story, I only pray a prayer for the sisters. May you not have a husband that will be helping you in the kitchen. I know you not say amen. It is a husband that is not sitting with the elders at the gates that will have time to be sitting with the wife in the kitchen. When the virtuous woman in Psalm 30, with the Proverbs 31 was being talked about, the Bible said she's busy at home. Her husband is among the prominent men at the gate determining the destiny of the nations. It's not that she doesn't love to work with you, but there are important matters on the table that he has to handle. May you not have a man that every time he's in the kitchen, she offers a breakfast, offers a lunch. Where should he be? I know, we are looking. Listen to me, listen to me. Listen, church. Listen, listen. Please, can you listen to me? I have been around for a while. I've been around for a while. And I can tell you the history of this advocacy. I can tell you the history of the advocacy of women saying men should be joining them in the kitchen. That was not how it was in the beginning. It was some people that just came and said women activists. They wanted, and please, church of God, for the fact that they are propagandizing, they are projecting a particular thought does not mean it's founded on the truth. Women activists, they begin to say equal right. Yes, equal right, but look at what I've just analyzed. The man doesn't have the grace. I went just on Wednesday to pick my wife down. On the road, I started begging her. Do you know what I was begging her for? Because I have messed up the kitchen. Every day I get home tired, I will eat. I will say I will wash in the morning. By the time I wake up, there are issues. In the evening, I say, so by the morning I was to go, I said, Lord, I have a program in church. How will I wash this plate? Hey, God, in Jesus' name. So when I was, I said, I've committed another error. The kitchen is there as usual. If I don't want, it won't be an issue. But it's easier for them because they are the help that is meet for us. Understanding is the wellspring of life. Don't bring things into your home that is living. Why is your husband always angry? You're always saying, I'm not helping you. I'm not saying I'm not helping you. That issue of help, help has caused problems in many marriages. Eh? How can we go to work together? And I'll still come back and I'll still work in the kitchen. And you'll sit down and you are relaxing. Thank God for grace. He doesn't have it. And that's why you should pride yourself in it because you have it. And there are certain things that is in the head of the man. If he borrows you, your emotion will explode. It's both ways. We are creating pressures. We are not leveraging on one another. I was studying the combination of the makeups of men and women. I found out that a man is 90% reasoning, 10% emotional. The woman is 90% emotional, 10% reasoning. Where's the correlation? What I have in abundance is what the woman has in less quantity. What you have in abundance is what I have in less quantity. Do you know why? Half plus half is equal to one. The only thing you can say to me is that I want to release some of my half so that I won't be half. But there's no way you can do that. You are going to create what I call contention and confusion along the line of creation. Because when God, I, I discovered that when we walk in the light of what God has said, 
We enjoy peace. Anytime you see things going wrong, check out your principle. Is it founded on the truth or facts? Is it founded on what some people advocate? I'm not saying men should undo our women like our African fathers. But check out the way. In fact, I, I looked and said, these men, they are even abusing women. But the women never complained. They will work so much in the farm. It is the woman that will carry the firewood, pack the baby. The man will be chasing flies and following the women. I try in my own little way when it comes to things of strength. That's why myself and my wife cannot be going out. She will carry every load and I'll follow her. No, I have the strength to carry every load. She doesn't have that strength. Because my muscular makeup is different from my muscular makeup. But they are not being defined by their muscular makeup. They are being defined by their divine deposits. But when I am stronger, I know in my house, we eat pandered yam. My wife has never pandered yam before. Because I know by the time I finish panning, I'll be sweating. Will I be sick? My wife, boo, boo. No, 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 I won't eat that food. I pan the yam. Everybody eat. I take pleasure in panning the yam. <laughs> pleasure. Because it's, it's, it's tasky. I am stronger than her. Uh, she, oh, apology to Ijesha women. You have been raised to My wife was not raised to be panning yam. So I know I wanted to eat yam. I panned it. I won't eat pan I, I take pleasure. My, my wife will tell me politely. Shema Jenyo is not only me, all of us. Because she knew. Shema Jenyo, Maniama Jenyo. Praise God. Because she wants to be sure I am in the right frame of mind to do it. And I'm telling you, I give it to her. There are things you do as a woman that naturally bring your husband to respect you. You can't force respect. And as a man, you can't say because I'm the man in the house, the woman will respect me. If you don't stay in your place, you will force it. And listen to me, you can force somebody to respect you when they are looking at you. When you turn back, they say, Wanka, you won't see them. I want us to begin to understand our makeup. Forget about these activists. Go and check many of them, they don't have a home. So why are you following people who are, not, who are homeless? If you follow an homeless woman, you become homeless. Follow women like Sarah. Follow women like Mommy Jo. Mommy Jo will never stand and be say some of the things we are saying. That Daddy Jo did not help me in the kitchen. And you see the way you smile that they cannot come out of them. Why can't we follow such a woman? Why are we following women activists? Who don't have anything to show for the home they are built? Is that time our homes are being healed? There are too many things we are rubbing under the carpet. The children are growing. Some of them have entered the university. We are still on it. They will get married. We are still on it. Meaning that you are just housemates. You are not home builders. Housemates. You can't just leave her. She has become a pain on your neck. Like somebody say, she's my bondage. I'm born to her. No, 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 no. Why marriage is not bondage in the negative part of it. It's just an opportunity for you to become. I used to tell men that are very, very reasonable, which I'm talking to here, that they say man is the head of the home. Is it true? Go and check it very well. The woman is the owner of the house. All these English we are just taking, check it out very well. The greatest influence on the children who wealth it most. You can come and say, oh, your baritone voice, the children will concur. But who are actually the people in the formation of the children? The woman. So why are we not looking at them as doing nothing? 
Why are you measuring the woman based on how much she brings to the home? It's not her responsibility. If she does it, it is out of because you have influenced her to also be a blessed, to be blessed and enjoy some of your benevolence and decides to send some to you. It is not her responsibility, sir. But I can tell you, when you position your wife very well, you'll be shocked one day you need two million, you know it's in with her. Just like I need some money, I'm like, how much? Two million. Okay, I think I have it. You have it. Because in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, I'm closing now 15 to 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 15 to 16. Is somebody getting blessed this morning? All right. First Corinthians 16, 15 to 16. 15, 16, 15, 16, 15 to 16. Sorry, I was saying 16. 1 Corinthians 6. I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 6, 15 to 16. I just opened my own and I found out that it's not something that. All right, if you're there, shout hallelujah. All right, I read. Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I now take the members of Christ and make them the member of an allot? God forbid. What? Know ye not that he which is joined to an allot is one body? For two CID shall be one flesh shall be one flesh. Two share this shall be one flesh. Meaning that when the two of them come together, you know? Okay, I think we are all mature. The children are, are, maybe I can code it. After the woman was removed from the man, the only way the two of them can come together and become one, you all know it. That's why the, the, the reproductive makeup of a man and the woman is like the woman is the doorway. Our own is like a door for the woman to come in. So when the two of us come together as husband and wife, though the body is coming together, fusing together in whichever position you desire, the idea is not the fusion of the body, it's the fusion of the spirit. So sex is not a physical thing, sex is a spiritual thing. So when you are joined to your wife in the spirit and you are now sleeping with other women outside, you have joined yourself to not one woman, you have joined your spirit to many women. And the moment a man is joined to many women, he enters into a phase of confusion. Because in his spirit, he doesn't have definition. He loses identity. So you become one flesh so that your spirit can be joined together. And that's the mystery of the church. That's why when you look at the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, verse 25 to 33, I'm going to read that and we are going to pray. Ephesians chapter 5. Marriage, the greatest opportunity given to us to redefine our destiny. Look at it, it says 5 from 22. Look at it, very, very, very precise instruction. Ephesians 5 from verse 22. Wives, submit yourself unto your husband as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church and is the savior of the body. 
That's the man, the savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, Christ does not lord himself over the church. Church subjects itself to Christ. So let the wives be to their own husband in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any of such things, but it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. And I can say, for no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourished and cherished it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, for his, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you, in particular, so love his wife, even as himself. And the wife, see that she reverence her husband. If we follow this, there will no more be trouble in our homes. If you look at the troubles in our homes, it's because we are doing contrary to this thing. Women, for the fact that you are half and is half, does not mean you want to rub shoulder. Calm down. Realize you are from the side. Relax, reverence and respect the man. I've never seen a man that is being respected by the wife and the wife and the and the man. That means the man needs to go for brain surgery. That means he doesn't have conscience. But I found out that most men goes mad when they have a woman that is trying to contend with their position as the man. Say so you are walking, I'm walking. So what? The man say, eh. So you are the husband. But cool down. Come. Cool down. Know your place. You are helpmeet for him. Let him keep his money. Let everybody knows their money. Ah. He has his money. I have my money. Everybody have their own money. You are, money have divided. Let no man put asunder. Listen to me. Money is not paper. There's a man called money. His name is Mammon. He's a demon. So the moment money begins to separate you and your husband, he's a demon that is separating you. Currency is not money. Currency is a physical representation of money. And if you study history, you find out that currency is an innovation or invention of man. Richard Nixon in 1975, read about, the president of America was one who changed the standard measurement, gold standard of measurement to currency. It wasn't currency they were using before. It was gold they were using for measuring money. The, if you look at the historical evolution of money from trade and, trade and butter down, 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 down. You find out that it is an innovation. So when currency is standing between, the spirit is the one manipulating you. Nothing put asunder. Not even in loss. I used to tell young men that cares to listen to me. I will say it. I leave you to your choice. I prefer my mother-in-law staying in my house than my mother staying in my house. Because every woman is a territorial commander. Let me use my English. Territorial commando. So when a woman is in the house and your mother is there, your mother is a territorial commando, your wife is a territorial commando, so you have two territorial commando contending in your house. You care if you like, listen, if you like, don't listen, but that's me. 
And everyone will be proving audacity. I am the father, mother of the boy. I must be in charge. I am the wife of the boy. I must be in charge. There will be cold war going on in your home. The day it will be Marang, you will now be looking for who to side. Side your mother. You will get to meet your wife. You say, okay, go and meet your mother in your bedroom, not me. Maybe you are side your mother. Side your wife. Your mother will say, so all my investment in your life, a woman has taken you away. But when your mother-in-law, as a man, is at home, when the two territorial commando fight, the woman will say, mommy, your husband's house, you may command. This is my own house. Stay in your place. You won't even know. You will be on your bed when they will be doing the contention. <laughs> the only thing you can say, mommy, I'm going If you are wise, you will stop you a lot of problems that is being created today. Brother, let's place the right value. If there's any marriage that is bleeding, make up your mind today, my marriage will be healed. Swallow your pride as a man. What are you even proud of? Somebody that your blessing is in his house, and you are carrying, is in his hand, and you are doing like this. You better calm down, collect your blessing. Whosoever findeth a wife, findeth a good thing, and obtaineth favor. Meaning that with our wives lies our favor. May you understand what I've just said. Rise up on your feet. Brethren, we are going to pray. I, 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 I had a nudge in my spirit that if your wife is here, you can just hold your wife and just prophesy. I just want us to prophesy over our lives. There are a lot of things that have happened over the years in so many marriages that some of you, as I'm talking, you know what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying. I don't need to use my mouth to say everything one after. We know. I have been married for over 15 years, about 17 years. I know. So I know some things I have to swallow up my pride because the day God said any time, I, I was telling them in workers meeting, maybe you are not like me. I spoke roughly to my wife in the morning. I went to the farm. I just bought a fresh cough class, new one. They just finished shopping it. Glittering. I wanted to cut something. My man missed. He landed on my knee. Bow! As it cut my jeans, I said something has happened. When I opened it, I said, Father, why? God said, Shabby, you have mouth to talk anyhow to your wife. I said, ah. And it was a Bible study. Yes, those days I was pastoring before I became an evangelist. I finished Bible study. With my leg, I was just balancing. Nobody knew. After the Bible, I said, Mommy, see my leg go. I said, what happened? I said, Shabby, you know. <laughs> I said, what did I do? I did I cut your leg. I just swallowed up the remaining. It was when they were teaching. I said, God, just watch my mouth. So when... My wife knew what I used to say. I used to answer roughly. Now, when she's talking and keeping quiet, she's trying to think that what I used to say, she doesn't know that I've given myself a brain. My I do call on Bamileti, my Say what you want to say, I'll be looking. Because God needs, because see, we can't, can you see what happens to you when you and your wife have issues at home? Look at your makeup when you get to office. Look at how angry you are on the scene as if everybody has offended you. You get to the office, whoever comes close to you, oh my God, no, let's hear. Because you and your wife had issues at home. How can you have issues with one woman and your moral for the old days bastardized? That, that means there's a part of that woman that is in you that you must get intact. Peace in our marriage is peace in our lives. Stops in our marriage is stops in our lives, no matter how much money you think you make. Forget money. It's when you have not seen money that you think money is everything. When you have seen money, you find that, that money is just a means of exchange, and whatever you get with money, depreciate with use. So it's not something to think is the real essence of carrying a shoulder. Any man or woman, when you want to be proud, you can only be proud when you say, check my home. You can't point at your home 
as your reason for being proud, then something is wrong with you. Every other thing is ephemera. We are going to lift up our voice before we look for our wives, look for our husband, and say, Father, every crack in my home that the enemy is leveraging upon to deprive me of the benefit of marriage, Lord, today, seal up those cracks in the name of Jesus. I want us to pray. I don't know who you are. I know there are cracks. They are sipping out the better part of you. They are sipping out the better part of you. But you are just like your man says, Lord, let the cracks be sealed up today. Every crack in my home, every crack in my marriage, we are going to be coming for the anointing. Leverage on this anointing today. The Lord, you will heal my home. Lord, you will heal my marriage. I refuse to fight. I refuse to contend with my husband, with my wife again. Lord, heal my home. Lord, heal my home. Ha. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. God reminded me of cancer. One of our pastors in those days gave to myself my wife. He said, do you know why I stopped fighting with my wife? He said, only God opened my eyes. I did not know until that day. Anytime I serve my wife, I have issues. And we are, we are trying to, everybody is just angry and we are scattering everything. We always reconcile at the sick bed of one of our children. They were always, he's always in the hospital. You know when you're in the hospital and there's an emergency, you forget all your fights. That's where they call reconcile. Say, I never took it to heart until their last born had the meet. They were having crisis like before. The boy fell sick. He said it was when they told them that what they are going to inject the boy with will be extracted from his backbone. They bent the boy over and they put the wrench and they were extracting that particular thing. That was when he busted into tears. And God said, can you see what you are causing? The two of you will face yourself. The devil will be facing the children. When you are fighting yourself, the devil is taking advantage of it. Why are you fighting yourself when you are meant to fight the enemies that is looking for a way of destroying your future? You now be fighting. And the children, you don't, you know when husbands are fighting, they don't even care they love their children anymore. Ask men that they had issues. The children that they used to say, sweetheart, they will be passing around. When the husband are there, the children looks like it, bear. That means there's something about all these things, sir. Don't let us just close our eyes and be deprived of what the real essence of life is all about. Whatever the devil has succeeded in accomplishing in my marriage, Bible says every plant that my heavenly father has not planted. Where will it be rooted? Out today. Say, Father, whatever the enemy has planted in my marriage due to contention between myself and my spouse, in your mercy, oh God, uproot them and destroy them this morning. Cry to God. Uproot them. Please, Lord, uproot them. Whatever the enemy has succeeded in planting in our children. Some children have been raised with the wrong ideology. The boy has come to realize that maybe men is meant to be planting their wives like planted yam. Lord, whatever the enemy has done. In the name of Jesus. From your heart. If you know your husband has offended you, please forgive him this morning. Say, Lord, I forgive my husband. I forgive my wife. Whatever I have already concluded upon, 
as a payback to this man, as a payback to this woman, I lay down my sword. Lay down your sword today. Brother, lay down your sword. Why will your home scatter because of pride? Lay down the sword. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. As a man, there's something you have that your wife doesn't have. As a woman, there's something you have that your husband doesn't have. If your husband or your wife is in church, can you just go to him? If he's not here, wherever he is, be sending words to him. Be prophesying over his life. Whatever he's struggling with today is because he must have done something against you. I'm telling you the truth. The agreement is not there. When two of you shall agree as touching anything, if the business is not working, go and look at the marriage. Something is wrong. The enemy came in one way, manipulated the two of you against one another and deprived you of a blessing. So go to your husband, go to your, and begin to prophesy. Prophesy strength, prophesy grace. supreme in my home. There shall be no more confusion. There shall be no more contention. In the name of Jesus, every third party coming in between my marriage, between myself and my spouse, either family member, either money, either my job, whatever it is, I close the door of my marriage against you. Prophesy! Prophesy! Oh, some of us are single. We don't know what to pray. Pray ahead of your home. Pray ahead of your marriage. Prophesy. There shall be no catastrophe in my home. My marriage shall be founded on the truth and the reality of God's word. Prophesy. Understanding will reign in your marriage. Every virtue in marriage, I unlock it for my use. Glory be to the name of the Lord. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Before we pray generally for the home, you are here, you are not born again. Look at it, we are talking about how important a woman is to the man and the man to the woman. And the Bible said this is the same mystery that holds forth between Christ and you and I. The same thing. As the man needs to show understanding to the wife, that's why Christ says, I want to bring you to myself. I want to betroth you to myself. I want you to be my wife. I want to shower you with love. I want to make life comfortable for you. Look at what Paul was talking about. He said, a man must make life comfortable, convenient for his wife. So also God, Jesus, wants to make life convenient and comfortable for you. This is what he's calling you into. So if you are here, you are not giving, you have not given your life to Christ, just lift up your hand wherever you are as we pray together. You want to say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come and be my Lord and Savior. Lift up your hand wherever you are. Let's quickly pray. 
Lift up your hand. You want to give your life to Jesus. God bless those hands. I can see some of our children. If you know you have not given your life to Jesus, or you are backslidden, or challenges of life is robbing you of the joy of your salvation, you can claim it back this morning. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Father Lord, we thank you for everyone that have raised up their hand in agreement, a willingness to be part of your family and to be betrothed to you. Ask that your mercy that have located them this morning will bring them to a depth of understanding as far as your love for them is concerned so that they will walk in the full benefit and blessings of being saved in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Please, I want to pray from here before we come for the anointing. Bodies are going to be lifted here this morning. Yokes are going to be destroyed. I tell you, healings will take place this morning. As this oil touches your head, all that has dried up in your life, all marriage that is going through friction, you know, oil reduces rate of friction, reduces heat. Every heat in our homes have been terminated in Jesus' name. Where there has been misunderstanding, because the space between you and your spouse is already being manipulated by the enemy. I prophesy today, there shall be peace in such homes. There shall be understanding in such homes. Anyone that must have been raised up in a wrong or with a wrong ideology about marriage, and they're already living in the world of utopia, and unreasonable, realistic expectation about marriages, contrary to your established truth. Father, Lord, I pray, let your light shine upon them. In the name of Jesus, whatever and keep and keep the devil or the enemy has been playing around our homes because of this crack he has been taking advantage of. Today, we put an end to this and keep and keep. All the benefits benefit that are meant to have been accrued to us because of our marriage that we have been deprived of, deprived of because of lack of proper value on our spouses. Lord, today, in your mercy and in your love, let there be total restoration. And everyone that is saying, this man, you don't know my wife. If you know my wife, you won't be talking like this. Or the woman that say, uh, you don't know my husband. Mm. If you know him, you won't be talking like this. This is because the devil has changed the picture of the man, changed the picture of the woman. Lord, every manipulation that has changed our identity in our homes. Lord God, every manipulation. Lord, we overrule in the name of Jesus. That love that ensued at the beginning that made us look away from every other and say, it is this one I want to live with all the rest of my life. That conviction, that love, Father, we ask, let them be restored back in the name of Jesus and let our joy overflow. Blessed be your name forevermore. In Jesus' precious name, we pray. If you believe that God has visited our homes today, shout 